This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. This morning we're continuing a series we started uh, this year called Sunday School. And uh, the first one uh, was done by uh, Pastor Matthew Lido. Um Absolutely incredible. Um, he's amazing. And I uh, spoke on Jonah, and that was, that was really fun. I think he did amazing. I really do. And uh, the whole goal behind this series was when we started the church, we, we, we wanted to create an environment and a space for people to encounter God that have never known God. And when God brings you people that don't know him, well, it's our job to teach. And that's why we have this series started, because a lot of us, I mean, I grew up in church. Like, I'm pretty sure I was born in the pew at the church. Like, I, I was at church my whole life. And, and I was thinking about it this week. There was church in the morning and church at night. And then there was Monday night youth. And there was Tuesday night prayer. And then there was Wednesday night, like, ministry groups, we called them. And Thursday night was, like, worship practice. And then Friday night, we had a young adult ministry. And then Saturday night, there would be, like, extracurricular youth activities. I was in church the whole week. And so sometimes I reference stories in the Bible, not because I went and studied them, but because I was in church so much, I couldn't help but learn them. And so we, we decided to start this series for you, uh, for, for many of you that might not have a church background. And when we say something like, oh, you know, David and Goliath, you might think of a cartoon. But I want to remind you this morning that there is so much truth in the Bible, that it can literally transform and change your life. And when we reference these stories, we want you to know what we're talking about because they're so powerful. And we also want to encourage you that the Bible is, is true and it's accurate and it can help your life today. And so we hope by the end of the series that you start reading the Bible more and that you get more in love with reading the stories and more in love with how God can change you through his words. So that's why we started this series, and I'm excited this morning to preach part two on David and Goliath. David and Goliath. So if you want to take your Bible, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17 in verse 43. I'm just going to read two verses. Uh, maybe uh, it'll be a little bit of a tease, so you'll read the whole story later, but we don't have time right now, so I'll read a couple verses. Verse, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 43 to 45. Yes, I'm reading the New King James. Don't judge me. Uh, so the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods, lowercase g. His gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give, the, give you your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He's referring to the angels, the Lord of the angels, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I'm uh, going to take a couple minutes and unpack this, but first let us pray. God, thank you so much for your word. God, your, your Bible, it teaches us that it's a lamp to our feet. God, it's a light to our path, and we don't know where we're going in this world. God, I thank you, Lord, that your word grounds us, and, and your word teaches us and directs our steps. So God, thank you so much for this opportunity to speak. I pray, God, that we would leave here changed. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. I wanted to start um, just by asking a simple question, have you ever met somebody, and they're just really, really good at life? 
You know, they, they make you feel a little insecure about yourself. You know, there's people that don't have to study for exams. They just, they're just, they're just really good. People are pointing at people. Um, or, or, you know, they seem to always have everything together. You know, and, and, and I don't know, I, I felt like even this week when I was preparing this, the, mo- the person that kept coming to my mind is, is actually Matt Leto. Um, so, and it just, let me just tell you why. So his family, they look like they came out of a magazine. Have you seen them? It's just unbelievable. Uh, it's not even fair. Uh, kid's way too cute. Um, and, uh, and, and I met him, and I was like, okay, cool. He, like, roasts his own coffee beans. I wonder if, you know, he works at, he works at a cafe, makes the best coffee I've ever had in my life. And I thought it was just the cafe he worked at until I went to his house, and the one there was even better. Uh, so I'm like, okay, this guy's, this guy's pretty cool. And then I find out he can lead worship. But, like actually lead worship like not just talented with singing and playing guitar but but actually I'm entering the throne room of God when he sings I'm like who is this guy and then a couple weeks ago he gets up here and preaches the paint off the wall I'm like who is this feels like God took everything that was creative and talented and just put it into one man he gave me one drop and he just poured the rest on Matt it's an honor to shame but share a name with you by the way it's, uh, it truly is an honor. You make maths look good, man. All the stuff I did wrong, you make better. But, but I feel like you, you met these people before. They're just, it feels like it's not even fair, you know? And when I read the Bible, this is the picture I get of David. Because I'm like, come on, David? Like, seriously? How are you so good at life? How do you seem to have everything figured out? You know, when, when he first starts his story. Let me preface because I'm reading it, and I'm like, man, like, are you kidding me? You seem to make the right decisions all the time. But what impresses me the most about David, and we'll get to the story, isn't the calling on his life. It isn't how he slayed a giant. It's what happened a chapter before when a man named Samuel came to his father Jesse's house, and he said, your boy is going to be king, and then he left. And David's like, oh, cool, I'm going to be king. And his dad's like, yeah, but you're a shepherd now, so go back out to the fields. So what impresses me isn't his calling. It's what he did between when he was called to when it happened. See, everything in the middle represents now. It represents what God wants to do now. And I was encouraged this week that, man, a lot of us, we're not promised a future. God wants to do something now. He wants to do something in this city today. He's not concerned whether or not you get your life together and and when you get that career and you make that much money and then you can do this. He's not concerned with your future promises. He wants to know, where is your heart now? Where is it now? And that's what impressed me about David because he seemed to be so good at, at, at now. And the Bible says that he went back to the fields and, and he guarded his father's sheep. But he was really good at being a shepherd. He wasn't dreading it. He wanted to be the best shepherd ever. And the story does tell us that. See, Saul was appointed king. David was born, and then David was appointed the future king because Saul, the king at the time, wasn't a very good king. In fact, God spoke to his prophet, and he said, we need to get rid of Saul, so I'm going to bring you somebody else. And here comes David. So we pick up the story and what I just read A little bit before that, let me bring you up to speed. Goliath came with an army 
of the Philistines, and they were an enemy to Israel. And the Bible says that they stood on top of a hill, and the Israelites stood on another hill, and Goliath came out and taunted them every morning and every night for 40 days. And the Bible says that every morning he would taunt them, send out someone to fight me. You guys can't handle me. And he just began to talk bad about their culture, about their God, and about their land. And, and he taunted them every morning when they woke up. That's the first thing they heard. Every night when they went to bed, it was the last thing they heard. And I was reading this this week, and I'm like, man, how come there's sometimes, I feel like many of us, the things that we struggle with, it's the first thing on our mind in the morning. It's the last thing on our mind before we go to bed. And I feel like maybe David slayed Goliath how many thousands of years ago, but the spirit of the Goliath still taunts me. Every morning, every night, I feel like there's this voice in my head telling me I can't do it. Every morning, every night, the first thing you hear in the morning, the last thing you hear at the end of the day. And now... Uh, David's dad, Jesse, his, his other boys, his, uh, David's brothers, are, are fighting for Israel. And, 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 and David is watching his dad's sheep. He's at home. He's not, he's not uh, old enough to go serve in the military at the time. So he's watching his dad's sheep, but he already knows that he's going to be king, but he wants to be a good shepherd for his father. His father calls him to his house. He said, hey, David, I need you to go down and talk to your brothers, see how they're doing. I'm worried about them. I heard this Goliath guy is like crazy tall and scary. Why don't you just bring them down some, some bread, some cheese, some, some rations, some refreshments, and bring those down to your brothers, David. And so David says, okay. Says that he leaves really early in the morning before the sun comes up. And he gets down there, and he meets up with his brothers, and he meets up with the army there, and as he gets there, the sun co- sun's coming up, and so is Goliath to do his morning taunt. And he starts talking bad about Israel and their God, and he starts cursing them, and he says, send somebody to fight me, and if I win, then you'll be our slaves. But if you win, then we'll be your slaves. And David's like, everybody's scared. And David walks in, and he's like, are you hearing this guy? Are you kidding me? Is, is, is there anybody here that's going to do something about this guy? So what happens if I do it? He asks everybody. What hap- like, what's the king going to do? What's King Saul going to do for the person that slays Goliath? David wanted to know, what's in it for me? And, and they said, well, if you slay Goliath, the, the king will, will give you a whole bunch of money. Uh, he'll give you his daughter. Have you seen his daughter? Come on. And your father's house, everybody with your last name won't have to pay taxes anymore. Come on, that's a pretty good deal. So David's pumped now. He can't believe it. He's like, nah, that's too good to be true. So he goes and talks to some other people. He's like, hey, what will be done? If, what will the king do for, for whoever kills Goliath? And they tell him the same thing. And by this time, his, his brothers hear this, and his one brother comes over to him, and he says, David... What are you doing here? Shouldn't you be home watching those few sheep? That's what he says, like really condescending. Why are you here? Have you come down here just to watch the battle? You just wanted to come down and watch? Just go home. 
And David looks at his brother, and he's like, overhearing Goliath, I'm sure. He's like, are you kidding me right now? Are you hearing this guy? Is there not a cause? Shouldn't I do something? Shouldn't someone do something? And he starts, you know, starts this little cheer, and, and people are like getting pumped. And now the king notices, King Saul, and king's like, what, what's going on up there? He's in his tent, and he sends one of his servants out, and he goes, hey, uh, can, can you just go get David? Because like, I heard he's like causing like a crazy riot out there, filling people with hope, and it's a little weird because it's been 40 days and everyone's defeated. What is going on? He so, so the servant goes and gets David. David shows up in Saul's tent. And this is where I want to hit pause for a second because this is my favorite part of the whole story. It's not when the giant dies. Spoiler alert. It's not. This is my favorite part because David walks in. I just got to read it because it's so good. David said to Saul in verse 32, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go fight this Philistine. Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. I kind of like it when someone tells me I can't do something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just agitates me. Like, I want to do it anyway now. I want to do it more. It's like we, like my, my brothers have kids now, and they're like a, a year and a half or whatever, and they'll only do something if you don't want them to do it. And I feel like that doesn't change when you get older. It's like speed limits, right? Am I the, okay, I'm the only one that speeds, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. I love it. Used to. No, no, no. He's still a shepherd. But in this moment, he already heard what's going to happen. He already knows he's going to kill the giant. He already knows he's going to get married into the royal family. He already knows all this. So he's like, hey, I used to keep my father's sheep. I used to. And when a lion or a bear came... And took a lamb out of the flock. Verse 35, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. And as I read that this week, I thought it was so important to hit pause here for a second. How important is it sometimes to stir yourself up? Because there's a lot of doubt and there's a lot of insecurity, and there's a lot of people that will say they're for you, but as soon as you say you want to do something great or you have big dreams, all of a sudden they're like, whoa, whoa, you know what city you're in, right? That won't work. You know how old you are, right? That's not going to work. And, and, and sometimes you need to stir yourself up. I, I, I put it this way. Sometimes you need to vo voice your victories, because voicing your victories not only encourage you, it encourages everybody else. We sang this song years ago in church. It was, look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. Oh, I'm going to praise his name. And we used to sing it over and over and over. I don't even know if there's any other words in that song. But look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. And we sang it over and over. And the church would go crazy. Why? Because when you start to encourage yourself and you say, man, I made some bad decisions. But last night, last week, I made a really good one. And devil, you didn't take me out then. So you can't take me out now. And you start 
start to encourage yourself in the Lord and you can say, I can do it. I can live right. I can succeed because God's on my side. You need to voice your victories. If the devil can't stop your victory, you know he's going to stop your voice. Because if he can't stop you from succeeding, he wants to make sure you don't encourage other people to. Because I think this, the, the true victory actually comes when you vocalize it. You never see the end of like a, uh, like a hockey game where the winning team isn't celebrating. Wouldn't that be awkward? Wouldn't that be weird? What's it do? When the team celebrates, it encourages the fans to celebrate. And the fans celebrate, it changes the whole atmosphere. Because when you vocalize your victories, it's not about you. It's about the people that are going through something else. It's about the people that are struggling in their own lives. And your victory can be the thing that changes their situation just by vocalizing it. David knew, if I sit here and listen to all this doubt, I don't know if I'm going to be encouraged enough to run down this mountain and to defeat this giant, so I need to vocalize my victories. See, your voice will stir your faith and the faith of others. And I also think it's important that David made mention that he killed the lion and the bear when he was alone. Because oftentimes we're looking for like a public victory, but we don't want to have a private victory. And a lot of times we want the spotlight moment or the overnight success of a business or whatever it is. But God says if you want to have victory in public, you have to have victory in private. And the private victories add up to private and public victories. See, our world needs us to win in private so we can free them in public. So that's not even my favorite part. My favorite part's actually this. I lied. Verse 38. Now, he, now David's convinced Saul, okay, maybe, maybe, he, maybe he can do it. And Saul says, well, if you're going to go fight him, verse 38, Saul clothed David with his armor. He put on a bronze helmet on his head and he clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened the sword uh, of armor and tried to walk for he has not tested them. David said to Saul, I can't walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. David took them off. I find it interesting. This was the king's armor. Saul was like, hey, if you're going to go fight, uh, what do you have? Like a, like a, what is that, a staff? Oh, yeah, you're a shepherd. All right, you're going to need some armor. Um, David didn't know that because he's never been... You know, he's never been struck before. He's never been in battle like that before. So Saul puts his armor on him, and David can't move. And there's, there's so much truth here. But I want to just tell you about a couple little things. Is some people put expectations on you that you weren't meant to bear. And some people think just because you're some, from a certain place, you have a certain background, you live in a certain neighborhood, it either qualifies you or disqualifies you. And God says when he calls you to do something, it's his qualification that matters. And sometimes we get so upset with people's expectations on us to, to walk a certain way, to live a certain way, to drive a certain car. To, and there's so much expectation on us sometimes. And, and I'm encouraged with this thought. It was David that had to take the armor off. See, Saul put it on him, but David had to take it off. 
And so many times we get so bogged down with expectations from people, don't we? That we have to live a certain way and, and, and do something up to their standards. But I wanted to free you this morning with this thought. Just, just take that expectation off. Just take that worry off. Take that anxiety off. Take that doubt off. Because that's what Saul was putting on David. You're not going to win, but if you at least put my armor on, I will look like I tried to help. So when, when Goliath defeats you, they're going to see you're gonna, you have the king's armor on, and they're going to say, oh, Saul's a good guy. He tried to help David. Poor guy. Saul didn't think he was going to win. But of course, we know God had a different plan. Take off those things that don't fit you. So verse 40, David, he took his staff in his hands. He chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and his sling in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. So here's David. He leaves the meeting with Saul. He's like, I don't want your armor. I don't want your sword. I don't know how to do that. I'm really good with my sling. I'm good. He goes down to the brook. He gets five smooth stones. I used to ask myself growing up in church, like, why five? You know, like, why not one or two or three? Like, if you were so sure you were going to kill the giant, like, why five? And there's a couple different thoughts with that. The first one is, of course, maybe David was thinking, maybe one's not enough. This guy's pretty big. So I'm going to keep throwing and slinging these rocks until this giant falls, and I hope that five's enough. And it shows us a picture of David's spirit in his heart, that he was a fighter and he wasn't going to give up. If this first stone doesn't work, I'm going to throw another one. And what's it look like? It looks like us showing up on Sunday morning when people are saying, there's not really many people coming to your church. What's the point? No, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep throwing rocks until the giants of depression, the, the giants of fear, the giants of anxiety, the giants of poverty, the giants of racism, the giants that are affecting our city. We're going to keep throwing rocks until the giants fall. So David gets five smooth stones, and then the other thought behind it is, well, five represents grace. Five represents grace. So maybe the picture is the five stones he puts in his shepherd's bag with his sling. And then the Bible says in, in verse 48, it says, uh, says that he ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Have you ever ran with a whole bunch of loose items in your backpack? You know, have you ever, it's like, you sound like a maraca. Like people can hear you coming from a mile away, right? And here's David running sounded like a maraca and things are shaking around in his bag and he's, he's running down the hill towards Goliath. And the picture is this. See, five represents grace. What happens when the items are, are, are mixing around in the bag? The, the items are all mixing around. They're not in the same spot that they were before. In fact, maybe, maybe the five smooth stones represent grace and that grace was mixing around with David's gift. And David was really good with his sling. He was really good with, with, his, with his shepherd tools, but now he's running and grace is mixing into his weapon. And he doesn't realize it, but by the time he stops, grace has already partnered with him. And I want to encourage you this morning that your gift mixed with God's grace, oh, it has the power to defeat giants. 
I don't know what you came here for. And I don't know what you do during the week, but I want to encourage you. God's put something in your hand. God's made you good at something. And if you partner with him and you mix his grace in with it, I promise you the giants that stand over our generation, they don't deserve a chance. They will fall. They will fall. I want to tell you about a couple stories. First one is uh, my friend Tanner. My friend Tanner is uh, one of my one of my best friends, he's, he's a, a friend I met in Seattle years and years ago, and I went to Bible school there. And he was really annoying with his camera. Like, he was one of those guys, like, it's not like here where people are really polite, you know, like, like no one's, like, up in your face. But he would be, like, right up on stage, right in the pastor's face with the camera. He'd be, like, right in your face, and you're having, like, a really, like, intimate moment, like, like talking to someone and crying, and he's like there with his camera for the church, you know, so annoying, like, get out of here, Tanner, you know, and that's the, that's who he was, and his life, he had a moment in his life where something changed, and I want to show this video to explain what happened. Hey, uh, I'm Tanner Wendell Stewart, and I'm a photographer from the Pacific Northwest. Two years ago in April, I went to Sofia, Bulgaria, where a man offered to sell me his baby boy for $50 because I simply said he was beautiful. At that moment, my life was changed forever. Human trafficking went from a statistic to the face of a beautiful baby boy. A face. I will never forget. Fast forward to now, I just finished a 365 day photography project called Shoot the Skies, where I posted one photo every day of 2013. Since day one, the Shoot the Skies project has existed to create a book that will give 100% of the proceeds to abolish human trafficking. So Tanner's uh, story, he went on a missions trip and he, he was taking pictures there as he does, really annoying photographer. And he gets right up into the face of this baby boy, as he said, and he used a translator to say, can I take a picture of your baby? Your baby's beautiful. And which the father responded with, if you like him so much, you can buy him for $50. And something happened in that moment where for the first time, like David facing Goliath, for the first time he realized Human trafficking is actually a huge deal. And he stared at the giant, and where many people would say, you can't do anything about that, you're just a photographer. He just had this David-like spirit and said, there's a cause, I gotta do something here. So he spent a year of his life pretty much homeless, driving around the United States taking photos, posting them on an Instagram account that would start growing. And it would start with 1,000 followers and go to 2,000 go to 10,000, go to 20,000, go to 50,000. And it's spread that this guy, he's, he's a really good photographer. He's taking pictures. He created this book and he sold the book online. He said, I'm not going to take any of the profits. I'm going to take all this money and donate it to the A21 campaign, which is started by someone named Christine Kane, who wants to see human trafficking abolished in our world. And he sold so many books. He had this goal. He felt like 
Matt, I have this crazy goal. I'm going to try and raise $40,000. That's like a million Canadian. <laughs> he wanted, okay, so it is impressive. And you'll never guess what happened. He created the books. He hit $40,000 in like a week. And it kept climbing and climbing. And by the end of it, it was over $100,000 he raised that he donated to the A21 campaign. And I was asking him like, man, what was that like? Like giving away a hundred grand, right? Like, you know, what, how crazy was that? And he's like, you know what? Like I wasn't even tempted to go back on my word. He's like, if you saw what I saw, I can't not do something about it. I had to do something about it. I had to do what I had to do. And people said he was crazy. And then the news picked him up. He was written about in a lot of different news and media in the Pacific Northwest. And, and God blew up his influence. We have a picture of him here. Never guessed what happened after that. He became a very famous photographer. Iceland Air flew him to Iceland to partner with their tourism team and put him in Iceland for like a month. They were like, we'll pay for everything. You just come, take pictures of our country and, and make it look really awesome so people want to travel here. Like, that's a dream, right? And he's telling me, he's like, oh, man, I'm in arenas now. I'm with people like, I don't even know. He, he said that he gets partnered with the people that shoot Apple commercials now. God expanded his influence. Why? Because he saw a giant. He took God's grace. He mixed it with his gift. He threw a big rock at a giant. And now God's like, well done. I'm going to put you in another arena now. And I'm going to get you to throw more rocks at other giants. And people don't even know what's going on. So, so it's really cool. His life now is, is unbelievable. His life was changed forever. All because of that one moment. I have another friend. His name's Shane. Shane uh, was... We, we all, like when I met him in Bible school, he was one of these people we always thought he was like the most underutilized person in Bible school, right? Like he was just, he was like Matt Leto, which is really good at life. <laughs> and and I, I met him and, and he's like, you know, I, I, I really like, I like sound, and I like, like music. And I'm like, are you a musician? He's like, I try, I'm just not really that good. And he's uh he started doing sound. He started serving at this church doing sound and he really enjoyed it and uh, he was really good at it. So the church hired him and he was there working full time at his church doing sound, which many people would love. And the church was, was like his mega church and they had money and buildings. It was crazy. And he got to do sound for it. He was very thankful. But something happened and he noticed that some of his friends and some of his coworkers and he lost touch with some people and he's like, I... I don't know that, I feel like I'm in church all the time. I'm never out in the real world. I'm never out like really ministering to people. And I'm never really out really connecting with people. And so he felt like he should quit his job at the church and go run sound down at a bar for some local musicians. So he felt like I can't, I, I have a heart for people and, and I'm in the church too much. I need to get into the world. Little did he know that little step connected him with a small band back then called 21 Pilots. 21 Pilots back then were just a small group, two guys, you know, there's still just two of them, but now they have a massive production. And when we were just in Phoenix, uh, I messaged him 
because now he's hired full-time and goes on tour with them around the world being their front of house sound engineer for the band and he was he, him and his, the band were they were in Phoenix and we were there he's like oh if you guys are here come hang out and he's like giving us like VIP passes and I'm like who's this band what do they sing okay awesome and we're like walking through this arena with like there's like 50 tractor trailers loading into this it is crazy and afterwards I was talking to him and I'm like what happened like what what's your life like now and he's like Honestly, I'm getting calls, emails. They're putting me in sound engineering magazines. They want to know my take on things. They want to know the equipment I use. They're trying to sponsor me. They're trying to do all this stuff. And he's like, I'm in arenas now where I wanted, like way back when I was working at the church, he didn't go to school for any of this. He just served at his church and got good at it. And God took his influence. He was like, well done serving on Sunday. Well done. You're helping people kill giants they don't even know. And God took his influence and exploded it. And now he's meeting with people that we would call famous. He is meeting with them and he's praying with them and he's encouraging them that God has a plan for their life. Why? Because he just took the time to say, God, I don't know what I'm good at. I have this gift. I like doing it. And he mixed it with God's grace. And now God is challenging giants all over our generation in the music arena because someone said yes to God. Can I just get everybody to stand? I'm aware that there's a lot of us this morning. Maybe you feel like... I. I I feel like I have a gift that I could be used by God. And I'm just going to get everybody to bow their heads just for privacy. If you would say, Matt, I feel like God's stirring something in me. Maybe it's photography. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's businesses that God wants to start. And maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a, a next idea for something great. Maybe it's an invention Maybe you're a writer and, and you've always wanted to write a book and, and you never seem to get a, feel like you're encouraged enough to do it. Whatever it is this morning, I want you to picture that. And again, we're going to have a private moment, but I want to ask you this question. If you would say, I don't know that I've truly mixed this gift with God's grace. I, I, I don't know if I've truly tapped into the potential that could be on this thing. I, I, I want to be a part of killing a giant in my generation. I'm just going to get you to raise your hand. If you want to be a part of killing a giant in your generation, you want to use your gifts for God, just keep putting your hands up. If, 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 you're, a, if you're a business person, I want, you to, I want you to keep your hand up. Everybody else put your hands down. We're just going to pray together. I believe that in this moment, you're going to be confronted, just as the way Tanner was, with a giant that God's going to put on your mind. And it's not there to torment you. It's there to encourage you that your business is successful for a reason. And if God can get money through you, he can get money to you. 
and God's going to encourage you to give into different arenas and to, and, and he's going to grow your influence. I truly believe that. We're just going to pray. God, thank you so much. God, today we see that giant and we say there's a cause and I want to be a part of it. So God, I pray, Lord, for every business owner. I pray, God, in Jesus' name that you would give them clean hands and a pure heart. I pray in Jesus' name that you would explode their businesses. God, I pray, Lord, for new, fresh creativity and ideas to be upon them. God, let it run into more than just their family. I pray that small businesses would get larger. God, that inventions would start to be developed. God, because you want us to be successful so that we can raise money and we can do something in our city. God, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that you'll bless every business owner. In Jesus' name, God, I pray, Lord, for everybody in this room that would say they have a gift. I pray for uh, creative people, people that will write music, that will write books, that write blogs. God, that truly want to make a difference into people's lives. God, people that that uh, that paint, that illustrate, that are artists. God, I pray, Lord, for people that are in the the music scene and in in the sound and, and lighting and production arena. I pray in Jesus' name a fresh level of influence. God, a next level anointing. God, that you will bring them, God, from the from the shepherd's mentality into the arena where they're facing giants. God, I believe in Jesus' name, God, your glory knows no bounds, and we will not have any small maritime Halifax thinking. God, it would fall off of our minds. God, I pray, Lord, that you would bring us into arenas, oh God, where we are challenging giants that are trying to take hold of our generation. God, I pray, Lord, against depression, anxiety, fear, poverty, racism. I pray against these giants in Jesus' name. God, whatever creative ideas we need to come up with, God, I pray, Lord, that we won't be scared to keep throwing rocks until these giants fall. In Jesus' name, everybody said, everybody said, amen. One more, I just wanted to pray with one more group of people. If you would say, Matt, I've never, I've never accepted God into my heart. I've never asked Jesus to come into my life. I, I want Jesus to be a part of my life. If you would say, Matt, I, I want to make Jesus a part of my life, it just gets you to raise your hand and you can put it right back down. Two, three. I'm just counting to let you know you're not the only one. I see that hand. Why don't we just pray together? I'm going to lead you in a prayer and you're just going to repeat it. It's not like a magic, magic words or anything. It's just teaching you how to pray. And if, if you're going to pray this for the first time, everybody else is going to repeat this after me. But if you prayed it for your first time, I want to say it's the best decision that you could ever make. And so everybody repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I invite you into my life. Forgive me for everything I did wrong. From this moment forward, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on.